Hey, we are back, back for real. And I have, or we have, a very important person. She's become important to me personally over the last maybe two months. Her wrestling walk-in song is Lip Gloss by Lil Mama. <laughs> and she loves pink, loves people, loves Jesus, is a very, very passionate woman. She, yeah, I'm just going to let her introduce herself and we'll begin this episode. So excited. And I'm, of course, here with Giorgio once again. That's right. So, yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, ma'am. Absolutely. You're just so sweet, ma'am. I just love that. <laughs> um, my name is Charity Muhammad. I am a student success coach manager. You are. <laughs> what is that? What is that position for people that oh, don't know? Oh, yeah. So, so, you guys, we're just like on the second floor in Crow too, and nobody really knows what we do, but what we do. <laughs> My team does a fantastic um, job of supporting all of our online students, mm. all of our graduate students. We are the Avengers. That is our team name. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we hold it down for Moody. How <laughs> we do? We are the behind-the-scenes team superheroes. So, um, yeah, student success is the best place to work. I'm one of the best bosses there is. Okay, okay. sorry, guys. Sorry. Humble, too. <laughs> so humble. But um, I'm very, very honored that I was even asked to be on this podcast. It is seriously such an honor. Um, my back, I have a background in, uh, I'm actually a child sexual assault prevention and domestic violence advocate. Mm -hmm. So I have a nonprofit called Charity Tracy, um, and we specialize in supporting survivors of domestic violence, child sexual assault. So we are the behind the scenes workers. That's kind of like what I like to do, mm -hmm. be behind the scenes, but mm -hmm. holding it down. <laughs> so give us, obviously you can spend like just hours here, but give us a brief snapshot of like where you grew up, mm -hmm. how you got here to Moody. Like where, I mean, you can talk about where you went to college and like just how you are, how you're here now mm -hmm. at Moody doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. So I actually used to listen to Moody radio quite often what my dad did. Mm -hmm. So even from the age of four and five, I told myself, you know what? I want to work for Moody. Mm -hmm. I said, I oh. want to work for the Moody. Bible. Did you grow up in the city? I did. Okay. I grew up in Chicago. Thank you uh, for asking. I actually grew up on the south side of Chicago, three blocks west of Inglewood. So for right. those mm -hmm. of you who do not know, <laughs> Inglewood is one of the roughest neighborhoods in Chicago. And um, yeah, I grew up three blocks west of there. So I am tough. Yeah, you are. <laughs> That's I am tough by nature, but I'm also sweet as pie. Um, so grew up in Chicago, always wanted to work for Moody. I actually, I did not go straight to college. Okay. I didn't even go straight to high school. Um, mm -hmm. my, my, when I was a freshman in high school, that year was very rough. I was being abused at home, sexually abused at mm -hmm. home, and it was extremely difficult. Um, went to inner city high school, and my mom pulled me out because I was fighting too much. Mm -hmm. And so she thought, hey, I can homeschool her. That did not work out because my mom has eight kids and that was very challenging for her. So I ended up getting my GED because I got my GED. I didn't have, I felt very um, unintelligent, mm -hmm. even though my score based on my score, I received a certificate for being America's who's who of um, scholars. And I was offered a $20,000 scholarship, wow. but I turned it down because you know, 
when they talk about the battlefield of the mind that is real mm. and I didn't feel myself good enough or intelligent enough to, because I got my GED and because of the abuse that I sustained at home mm-hmm. where I was frequently told I was stupid, I actually believed that. Mm-hmm. So, and I actually went straight to the workforce. Now, when I was 17 years old, um, recently got my GED and I went to the workforce, but I was also being abused. That's when I started my relationship with my ex-boyfriend and he severely abused me for about six years. Mm. And I take that back. I did do some college. I started college, but was unable to finish it um, for a couple of reasons. I did not feel myself to be intelligent. And it was very, it's very difficult to attempt to better yourself mm-hmm. when you're being abused. Yeah. And I can recall mm-hmm. times when I, my ex used to rip my books up. And I remember a time one evening I was walking home with my book bag and he ran up on me and pushed me down. So just a couple of, you know, not couple, but there were instances where they made it very difficult for me to finish Mm. all this time. I'm thinking I'm not intelligent. I'm not smart. I can't do it. And just as I know, several years ago, I looked at my transcript from um that time and y'all i had a 3.67 gpa wow (laughs) it is really serious like that battlefield you are what you no matter what you think about yourself Mm -hmm. you become some of that you become some of that and, and you know it's like telling um like no matter if my friends told me i was smart i couldn't believe it i could not believe it even though in writing it yeah. said clearly I had a level of intelligence, mm-hmm. but you know, that's how it was. But I did go to the workforce. Mm-hmm. I was in sales for 10 years, Okay, uh, 10 years. And I didn't even know I could sell. It just, mm-hmm. I just kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I started in customer service and I got promoted and kept getting promoted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I got, <laughs> I got to get for gap. And, and I was very blessed. Um, I believe that God taught me evangelism through sales and through, um, and that's why I'm not shy. And yeah. I can pretty much talk about difficult things um, to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so that was a blessing. I, when I, when I was actually shortly after or in between towards the end of my sales career, I met my husband, we got married and he was the one who said, you know what, babe, you're really, really smart. I want you to go to school. I want you to finish. And I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, I left sales. I graduated and I came to Moody. I actually, I was driving my husband and I, we were driving to pick up my cap and gown and I, we drove past Moody and I held my hand up and I said, God, I want to work here. And then I got hired like That's three weeks incredible. later. That's mm-hmm. great. So I started off in publishing, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was part-time. I worked in publishing um, part-time for about, well, actually two and a half years. And I went full-time. And then my, actually my friend knows my, our boss, Robert, knows mm-hmm. my boss and said, hey, I really think that um, you should apply for this position. He just posted on his, actually, I think, I guess he posted on his Facebook page that he was hiring to look for someone or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went on Moody and I applied and that's how I ended up is the manager. Yeah, <laughs> and she's such a good person to work with. Such a great, I don't know. So amazing. But anyway, thank you for sharing those mm-hmm. things. Evidently the Lord has um, shown you how your story is not something to be ashamed of, right. you know, and I'm sure that's something you are now teaching girls because of your nonprofit. And, you know, you're yeah. definitely big on advocacy and giving 
I mean, everyone has a voice, so I don't know how I feel about saying the voiceless, but, you know, amplifying or encouraging the people who feel like they have no voice, who have believed lies, who have been lied to, Mm -hmm. you know, encouraging them to speak out and to stand up. But I'm curious, I'm sure Giorgio is too, at what point in this, um, like, very, I mean, there's probably lots of scars and Mm -hmm. lots of hardship, you know? So at what point would you say, and God has been with you through, I'm convinced, I'm sure that he's been with you. He has never yeah. left you at any point. Or forsaken me. Like yeah, me. praise. Yeah. But like, at what point would you say he stepped into the scene and you knew it? Like, when did you um, encounter Jesus and, you know, experience healing, experience redemption? Like, tell us a bit about the hope, the hope, you know, how oh, okay. did you meet hope? Well, I, I will say this. So I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. And my mother and my sister would pray for me. They would pray that I would um, leave this abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. They would fast. They would speak the word of God um, over me. Mm-hmm. And I was, I would be like, shut up. I don't even want to hear that. Because I was not, you know, I just wasn't in a place to receive it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that does not mean that God was not dealing with me in the night. Like, mm-hmm. literally in the night. I would lay in my bed. And it would be almost as if the presence of the Lord will be hovering over me and convict me. Hmm. Like, you know better, hmm. you know, and be very direct. Just talk to me like, because I'm direct. So I understand this language. You don't have to sugarcoat. And he did not. Hmm. And he would just, it would just be like this feeling inside of me. Hmm. I, Girl, you know better. Why are you doing this? <laughs> it would be a constant pull. Um, one particular time, I don't know, you guys are kind of young, but there is this, movie with Tom Cruise is called the minority report. And in the movie, they had cogs like, okay, so these, okay, just give me some background. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They had these, these two twins that the government was using to foresee the future. And these twins, um, they were like in this government building and, and they would see future crimes being twins as in people, right? Twins and people. Mm -hmm. So they were a boy and a girl twin and the government would use them because they could predict a crime before it was committed. Okay. So they would have like these visions or dreams and the dream would appear on this huge screen and Tom Cruise, he was the, we'll call it the prevention police because the crime had not yet been committed, Mm. but the cogs, I think that's what they were called. They would be able to see it Mm -hmm. to make a long story short. Tom Cruise um, had to, at at some point in the movie, save one of the twins to save his own self. So he had to go get one of the twins. And there's a particular scene in the movie. And guys, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a particular scene in the movie where he rescued one of the twins. And because she had foresight, he was being chased. And he rescued one of them. And she used her foresight to escape the people that were chasing them. And in the scene, she would tell him, raise your umbrella, Mm -hmm. duck, Mm -hmm. run, Mm -hmm. um, stand right here, don't move. So she would give him instruction, and the instruction would be so precise so that his enemy would not catch him. Mm -hmm. And my my fondest memory of God doing this for me was my ex-boyfriend came to my job. I was working at Comcast. And he came and he drove up to my job in my car. And I just felt in my spirit, like, he is going to kill me. I really feel like he, this man is going to kill me today. And I could not explain why. 
So I get into the car, very, very quiet, and he is going off. He had been drinking all day. He is going off, and I'm just calm and I'm quiet. We pull up to my apartment, of course, because I'm paying the rent. <laughs> we pull up to my apartment, and I still feel how I know. I was like, this man, and if you can talk to any woman that's been abused, they know when they're at that point. I said, this man, this is my last day here on earth. And so he went to park the car and I got out of the car and walked into my apartment and I heard a, they talk about this still small voice. This is exactly how it sounded. Still small voice telling me, go in your kitchen. My kitchen was at the back of my house and I'm like, go in the kitchen. I'm already nervous. Like, you know, but I did it. Something in me, I just did it. And then I heard the voice say, go out the back door. So I went out the back door, and I'm nervous, and I'm like, I recognize this voice, y'all. So I'm nervous, but because I'm like, I know who this is. I've heard this voice before, but I'm scared to listen to it. But the moment I went out of my back door, I heard my front door open. Mm -hmm. So I had just walked out the back door just in time. Then I heard the voice tell me, walk down the stairs and go in the alley, stand in the alley. When I walked down the stairs and stood in the alley, because I was on the first floor, I heard my ex-boyfriend walking through the house right when I was standing in the alley. Then I heard the voice tell me, duck. He had just walked over the wind past the window that um, I was standing under. And had I, was, had I been still standing, he would have seen me. So I heard the voice say, duck. And in my mind, I'm like, okay. I was like, first of all, this is so bizarre. And I, and then I began to acknowledge. I said, God, I know this is you. What do I do next? And then I heard the voice say, get in your car. And I got in my car. Then our voice said, I'm like, what do I do next? It got, it got quiet for a couple of yeah. seconds. I'm like, what do I do? So the voice said, turn on the ignition. And I sat in my car for, it seemed like forever. And then I heard the voice say, drive off. I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, drive off. And the moment I drove off. This man, by this time, he had walked through the kitchen, followed actually my steps, and was standing, um, had run out, and was getting ready to run up to the car. And then he was started screaming when he saw the car driving off. Mm-hmm. That is when my, I think that the, that was my first encounter, like, mm-hmm. with the sovereignty and the mercy of God, because I was not thinking about him. My mother and my sister had been praying for me for years, Mm -hmm. but that is when I, I encountered his sovereignty, Mm -hmm. his grace and his mercy and his genuine love, Mm -hmm. genuine love. Cause I was, I was not loving toward him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what happened after that? Like, when did you, when did I leave? Yeah, I didn't. didn't I'm kind of on the edge of my seat now. Oh my gosh. So I didn't leave immediately. I didn't leave the relationship immediately. Um, I remember I drove to my mom's house that same evening, and I sat there until I felt um, to go home. It's just like I sensed, okay, go home. And by the time I got there, he was sleeping. He was sleeping. And I don't think that I left him until two months after that. Mm-hmm. It was two months after that. And it was it was the time the the what pushed me to leave, or for him to leave, because it was my apartment, um, was – he was beating me. He was beating me in my living room, and I locked myself in the bathroom. Not bathroom, but my bedroom, and I started to pray. Mm. 
And I said, Lord, I believe you. I told him, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. And he's banging on the door, banging. I said, Lord, I believe you. And all of a sudden, I saw flashlights in my window. And it was a police. And the police ended up taking him away. And I was like, this happened because I said, Lord, I believe you. And um, so the police take, took him away. Hmm. And actually, I think he ran from the police. Like, because you, this is near Inglewood. They don't care. They run. You know, he ran. He was like, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but the next day, something in me, the strength of God, mm-hmm. allowed me to tell him, look, dude, either you going to leave or I'm going to leave. Either or. And if I leave, you got to pay this rent. You didn't have a job. <laughs> And I ended up staying, and he left. And shortly thereafter, I met my husband. Wow. So how, how do you get from there to, like, now you have a nonprofit? Is that correct? Yes, I do. I actually, um, my nonprofit goes back to, I believe, when, actually, the thought of it happened when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I was being molested in my home. And I remember it being so bad and feeling so heavy um, and so hurt. And I remember leaving my bedroom and walking up the stairs and a thought coming to me um, and, t- and saying, one day you're going to be impactful. One day you'll be able to use this. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I don't. I forget the exact thought. But then as I, um, when I started to make some decisions about who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go, that thought came back to me. Mm-hmm. And so initially I did not act on it because this work is so hard um, it's incredibly difficult mm. and I didn't really act on it because I didn't know where to start. Yeah. And so what I did was I said, okay, God, I've learned to, I've learned to obey. So this is within the past, um, four years. So I said, okay. you know, Lord, I'm going to be obedient and I really learned to obey God. And so I started very small. Um, I just, women, uh, Women in pain have always been attracted to me. Or I know if you've been abused, it's like a marker. And you, and if you ever talk to a domestic violence or a child um, abuse survivor, you can tell if somebody, even if you walk into the room full of a thousand people, you can look at the ones and tell if they've been abused. Mm-hmm. Is that just something you are able to do, or are you saying anyone kind of? Most, um, so yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, most survivors are able to do okay. that. Like, if you ever had a conversation, um, they're able to see, mm. like, oh, you were hurt, they can see mm. the pain because it is we pain has a residual effect that I believe ricochets into the realm of like the spirit. Like, we can we are spiritual beings just like we're flesh, mm. and it affects every part of us, mm. even the parts that we think we're healed. They are mm. healed. So you can kind of like see it. I can't really describe it. I think it's a God thing mm-hmm. that he just gave us all the ability to do that. Um, it's indescribable, of course. It's God. Mm. Um, but I started small, and I just worked my way up. And every single time I wanted to give up, I'm like, man, I quit. God would just push me. He would give me, send me funding because it costs money to do it. So mm, you have to pay yeah. for your, I have to pay for my website. I have to pay for my email address. You got to pay to become official. <laughs> you got everything you have to pay for. But every time I want to give up, um, God would push me. Um, and it started 
I started with uh, doing conferences. And as part of the conference, I would do a workshop on domestic violence awareness or have someone come speak about child mm-hmm. sexual abuse. Um, it started there, and it just kind of um, I, it got to the point where I was I felt confident, like, oh, maybe this is what I'm called to do. You know, mm. I started to think about what did God create me for, mm. um, and what was I created to do, and who am I called to? Because we all are created for a purpose, born with a purpose, mm. and. When I made the decision, you know what, God, I am only going to focus on why you created me, my purpose, and nothing else. Chips started falling in a row. Like, if I can say it that way. Funding started coming. It got a little bit easier. I'm not going to say it's easy, Mm -hmm. but it got easier, and I had more direction, and I pretty much only move and do what God tells me to do as it relates to that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes sense. Like, God puts things on our hearts and opens doors and makes ways for us to, you know, serve him mm-hmm. and to live up to whatever he has equipped us yeah. to do. You exactly. Know? So that, that is amazing. I just have a question mm-hmm. um, for like people who are wondering, cause I've definitely been one of them, but we've had these conversations before, but for people who are wondering why people in abusive settings and mm-hmm. relationships don't just leave. Yes. Like because I can imagine people listening to this thinking, why well, didn't she just leave? Yeah. Why didn't you leave immediately? Like what kept you there? Why did you stay? You know, like how would you address that and help them understand? In a nutshell, I mean, we did the activity. Marvel and I, we did this fantastic activity mm-hmm. that I do in my training. Um to to show that when you leave, you're not just leaving. You're if you've been with this person, this person has access to your people, to your things, to your, perhaps even your future. So just for example, um, my ex-boyfriend would threaten to kill my parents. Mm. Um, my ex-boyfriend would threaten, we had been together for six years, so he would he would threaten to tell my secrets. Mm. Um, There's so many reasons why men and women don't leave abuse, but the the... The key thing is, is that it's bondage. So if you think about what it took from you to get once to get over from sin to making the decision to serve Christ, you were going from bondage to allowing for God. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It is another form of bondage. And that's why even even when I think about domestic violence, why didn't I leave? Why didn't I leave? I oftentimes apply that to the way that I look at sin. And like Mm -hmm. when people who refuse to come to Christ, Mm -hmm. It's bondage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else to put it simply, it's bondage. There's many reasons why people don't come to Christ. It's, you know, and there's many reasons why people don't leave the relationship. But that one thing is bondage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, I feel like for some people that aren't as knowledgeable, mm-hmm. when they think of abusive relationship, they immediately think of, like, physical. Or mm. they immediately think of something like that. But do you have other indicators for abusive relationships that maybe someone even listening to this from Moody could be like, man, I might not be in the greatest. This might not be the greatest relationship for me. Like what are, what are other indicators? That's a good question. That is a fantastic question. So, um, I have heard it said by another advocate. I think that this is the, a really, really good indicator of abuse. Emotion, uh, emotional abuse is the heart Mm. of abuse period Mm. so 
Emotional abuse can manifest in different ways. Um, it can be name calling. Um, it can be um, not being excited about the other partner's success or um, but to just kind of narrow that down, if you are with somebody, and this is friendships, relationships, family. If you are in a relationship, friendship, family, that does not mirror your relationships to Christ and how Christ treats you, if it's negative, um, verbal abuse, um, j- j- lies, um, financial abuse. So I'm sorry, let me just stay on one subject. So Emotional abuse, you know how Christ, if, if you, as Christians, we know how Christ treats us. So if your relationship with people does not mirror that, um, or, or it's very, very far from that, um, if there's name calling, if you feel poorly when you leave mm-hmm. a circle, a conversation, um, if you are feeling lower when you leave the person, um, if they're blatantly disrespecting you, if you feel manipulated, then you mm. probably are being manipulated. If you feel mm. disrespected, you probably are being disrespected. Mm. Um, they're so it's so broad, guys. I yeah. can't really narrow it down, but trust what you feel and take it to Christ and ask if there's ever any doubt. Well, another thing that I noticed that a lot of when I was young is that we don't talk about with regard to abuse is financial abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. Um, financial abuse, things like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Um, and me, I might be, if you invite me to dinner, I might be under the assumption like, oh, you're taking me on a date. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we get there, we sit down, you order a steak, I order a potato, and you say, oh, you know what, I don't have enough money. I want you to pay for it. That's actually a form of manipulation, yeah. emotional abuse, and can lead up to financial abuse. I want to know people, if you're in a relationship, they want to know how much your paycheck was and they count, they count your money for you. They want to withhold money from you. They take your credit card, your debit card. Um, they're spending your money without your consent using your credit. My ex did this to me when I was in college. Use my credit. Um, Stole my my debit and credit card, so I was he emotionally abused me, financially abused me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that's helpful because it, yeah. it's good. so much. It's so it's extremely broad, and I broad, and I really think that especially um, the ages that that people are abused the most are actually from twelve. And relation, relationally, yeah. excuse me, 16 to 24. So that means that in college, domestic violence prevention, um, some type of course, I would, I feel do, it needs to be taught. Because you need to be able to recognize yeah. unhealthy relationships. You need to be able to recognize um, abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to even look, sometimes look within yourself. Those type of courses help even abusers look within themselves and understand like, Hey, I'm being abusive. Yeah. You know, I did, I've done years of therapy because I have PTSD. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with it in 2012 because I've experienced severe trauma. And one thing that I didn't even know is that a sign of emotional abuse is the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. My husband would make me mad and I would just ignore him. That's emotional abuse. I'm I'm not articulating the way that I think. I'm not articulating. I'm punishing him with yeah. my silence. I'm withholding my love from him to try and attempt to teach him a lesson. That's abuse. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. it really is a like very broad 
it is wide spectrum. Yes, it is very, um, very broad. Um, that's why I feel like a lot of times, like a lesson on it. Like, but if anybody wants to learn more, there is you can go to. Um, I think it's like the national domestic violence dot com website. You can research it. They have so much key information, but it is very broad. What is with moody couples and also just like young Christian couples? What do you think is like the number one form of abuse that nobody knows about or like that nobody's aware of? That they they know about it. They just don't call it abuse. And it's emotional and financial. Mm -hmm. A lot of Christians are being women specifically are come to me with emotional abuse. And then with physical abuse, oftentimes in the church, it's preached over. I remember being younger and seeing women come in with black eyes and being too young to actually realize that their husbands had beat them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but also realizing that it was never addressed. I remember my pastor preaching over the pulpit is, is, um, a woman with the black eye sat on the third row and he said that sometimes women just need to be quiet. So things like that. So, um, yeah. So it, I think that if, if it's not physical, it is emotional, mm-hmm. um, abuse and financial taking of the woman's money. Um, I don't monitoring movement, um, disrespectful comments, specifically, um, I've noticed it with women who are in ministry, like a stronger, like or maybe a stronger personality, more direct, um, that, that, that they are abused emotionally. The women who come to me anyway are oftentimes emotional, it's emotional and financial. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering, so off of that, what would your advice be? Be to, to what do I, what, well, I guess your advice to, or, to couples, to young couples that are figuring things out. I'm sure like even that I do not have, I have very little grace for abusive people, but like I'm sure they probably have trauma that they haven't dealt with. And it's like a vicious cycle, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Uh, Someone told me the other day where there's people, there's problems. So like there's a lot when you think about human beings Mm -hmm. doing life, Mm -hmm. but like what your advice would be for like people who are being abused or people who are just trying to figure out what relationships is and entails you know like yes what would you- especially how you said just like how do i think your question is like how can people help mm-hmm. help themselves be aware mm-hmm. and reflect because you said earlier like it's a good point like some people don't even know like i Therapy. could be abusive mm-hmm. like and so i think that's a great question you, like i would tell you if you and i think that you're saying that and and that is very true it's up to oftentimes um if they don't have access to um therapy if they don't have access to a pastor at the time for whatever reason, then I highly recommend that if you're a, their friend that you call them on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I call, I've called several of my friends in on, on their be, poor behavior, poor mistreatment of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and often comes and you're able to do that when you value what God has placed in you. So yeah. when you value yourself, what God has placed in you, you it makes it easier to say, Hey, wait a minute. I don't like when you treat me like this because mm-hmm. you know who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's good. I don't, um, for couples that are in an abusive relationship, it's very dangerous for them to be counseled together because mm-hmm. the abuser can use information during that, whether it be therapy or pastoral counsel, they can use, the abuser can use that information against them so that, um, in order to further abuse them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do recommend couples therapy, but 
if you're just getting married, but you also need to seek wise counsel separate. So if you think that your partner might be abusive, don't go with your partner. Go separate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been most effective. And actually, I don't, many people don't know about the Stacey Peterson case. Um, It's about 13 years. She disappeared about 13 years ago. Um, But I spoke, I had the opportunity and I thank God for it to speak to her pastor. And one of the mistakes that he said that he wished he never made was counseling them together Mm -hmm. because it gave her husband all the ammunition he needed to torture her after. Hmm. So I do recommend doing things separately. Um, If you feel maybe your spouse or partner is abusive and you're not just not quite sure and you do want to seek wise counsel, do it alone. Hmm. What do you say to people who like, I mean, it's never easy as just saying something, but mm-hmm. how would you minister to someone who is rationalizing? Like, oh, they'll change. Or like, mm, it's just, that's good. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do you? Because I think that happens so much more than <laughs> we talk about and realize, especially because people love their people, you know, and they yeah. are yeah, being optimistic and hopeful. And yeah, I, and we bond to people, you know, we were created to do so. I do not try to change their mind. Mm-hmm. I just tell them the truth. And I say, this sounds like, whatever type of abuse. Mm. When you're telling me that he did this, this sounds like, if you don't know what type of abuse, you can just say, this sounds like abuse. I do not in any way try attempt to change their mind. Okay. We do, we can't control people. Mm. Um, can only um, show them the way. Truth. What did you say? You can only show them. Exactly, like, you know. exactly. And if you are bound to somebody, it is... Um, difficult to change it takes god to break that type of a bondage and that is too much weight for us to carry to attempt to tell them um or try to change their mind i do not believe that in my experience um god didn't call me to do that like it's so much weight that we carry already Mm -hmm. we do not have to carry that burden but what i do encourage is if you do have a friend that is telling you about maybe some form of abuse you can say this sounds abusive Mm -hmm. And then maybe pull a piece of that conversation that sounds of abusive to you. Um, but it will do you no good to try to change their mind. Mm. Only God can. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this, I just feel like this topic can be and is, you know, very heavy and triggering mm-hmm. for many people. And I'm not disregarding it with what I'm going to say. Mm-mm. I'm just saying on a more precious and more beautiful note. I know you hinted Good something transition. about thank you. <laughs> you know I've been been at this for what? Four episodes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Pros. Um yeah. Um you mentioned something about how important it is for anyone going through any kind of hurt or abuse mm-hmm. to remember value, to remember mm-hmm. their identity, to remember who God says they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I'd love for you to speak on your personal journey. Mm-hmm. in finding worth and being healed and stuff mm-hmm. and how you would encourage one to also embark on that journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that journey is painful. Uh, it was very painful as well because you have to face certain truths, but I would say start with asking God hard mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. I hear Christians oftentimes say we can't question God but that's not scriptural because the, the Bible even says, if you call unto me, I will answer you mm. and show you 
great and mighty things that you don't know about. That's Jeremiah mm-hmm. 33 and three. Mm-hmm. And I've adopted that scripture. And so I started asking God some tough questions and I started to ask him about why would he allow me to be in a family when he knew that I would be abused. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't ask him about my domestic violence relationship because he actually warned me about it and I still walked into it. But <laughs> um, I started to ask him some questions and that's why I started. Um, he started just to show me different things. Like I began to notice that uh, even in church ministry, I was really, really good with women, like it was small little pieces. Mm. Um, I noticed even in my sales career, I'm really, really good at talking to people. Um, I noticed that even it, um, speaking to my colleagues through the years, like I'm really, really good at discerning things, God, like this is an amazing gift. So it actually just started with God showing me what he put into me. Mm. Then I began to ask him, um, what was my purpose? Because mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. When you're in a state, especially with PTSD, for those who don't know, PTSD causes a lot of depression. It can cause anxiety. Um, it manifests in different ways. So for the larger portion of my healing, I didn't even know I had PTSD. So I was just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could not remember my worth all the time. I couldn't remember that God valued me above um, jewels. I couldn't remember that greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. It was so many things I couldn't remember because I'm feeling so low and I have not, I hadn't seen a therapist. I was embarrassed to go get help. Um, but I, when I started to ask just that one, well, why did you create me? Which is oftentimes what we ask. Um, my journey through, why I was created is what helped heal me. So I even, I wish I would have done it when I was younger. I wish I would have started that journey when I was 13, 14 years old. Why did you create me, God? Finding out my purpose um, and then just doing that. And that's that's what healed me because um, you said this scripture to me and I wrote, I can't think of it, beauty for ashes. You told me oh, that marvel. I think it's Isaiah. Fifty-something or sixty. Yeah. They know. They know. We're in these institutes. All the listeners, they, these theologians know. But when you, and that's exactly what God, what people would, people began to say to me, like random people, like it really looks like God gave you beauty for ashes. Um, And I realized he did. Um, And my purpose now is to really the, the, I remember being in therapy, actually, and I was telling my story to my therapist, and she said, oh, my goodness, the devil tried to kill you so many times. So my therapist, she's sassy. She's a sassy <laughs> Christian, and she always keeps it real. She said, girl, what were you created to do? Because he just tried to kill you, like, <laughs> all your life. You must be destined for <laughs> like, greatness. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and and I never really, I never thought about, like, God, yeah, why would Satan try to kill me so many <laughs> Why did I have this life of serious, the series of unfortunate events? What is really going on? Which made me want to pursue my purpose even harder. Mm. And so finding out your purpose, my recommendation, every young listener, find (laughs) out your purpose now. Start that journey now. Mm. So that when you find out, you will save yourself so much time in the future because we cannot get the time back time is a gift it is not a promise that's mm-hmm. what the lord kept on telling me charity time is a gift it's not a promise that's good and so um that is really if in a nutshell mm-hmm. i know my purpose and i res- i rest in that so when i have 
last month was particularly difficult for me because it's child's um, it's sexual assault awareness month. And I'm really, really busy that month, but it was particularly difficult. And I really had a P I had a PTSD episode that lasted three weeks of April. Mm. You, you probably didn't notice it. Did you? I marvel. (laughs) No, you would never notice. See, that's what I'm saying. Mental illness doesn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. Mental illness can look like a smile. It can, you know, Mm, that's a poem. Right. poetic. (laughs) (laughs) But it can look like anything. That's why we have to treat side note, treat everybody well, well, because you never know what they're going through. Yeah. So I was having a really, really bad, um, PTSD episode and my purpose is what kept me moving. I knew I had I had scheduled live interviews. Um, my last live, my husband had to sit next to me. I told him sit next to me. Don't even have to be in the camera, but I cannot do this. I am having such a hard time. And normally I would have given up, but I'm so God has acquainted with me with the reason why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, it keeps you going, and I don't worry about what anybody else is doing. If it doesn't, you know, I celebrate and I love people, but it kind of it, it keeps you focused. It really, really does. Mm-hmm. What like practical ways or advice would you give people when it comes to how to value others, how to treat them with respect? Because like you in the workplace, I don't even work under you, but I still like when you talk to me, I'm just like. She's so present. She's so like wow. there, like when it comes to valuing people. But like, how do you, you kind of mentioned like treat everyone with respect. You don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that? Or do you care to expound on like, what yes. tips do you have or like mistakes what that people that make? Like? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's, good. Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, because I've experienced so much hurt and hatred mm-hmm. in my life. I know what the ugly side of love looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a vow to God um, that I would love people, period. <laughs> love people, period. Period. Good. If you are mean, if you are cantankerous, if you just disrespect, I'm, I still get to love you. Yeah. But I also get to set up healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, and people are so shocked. But you can love somebody and not like them. And I go down through the list. Okay, I'm going to the Bible because I already know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I know the word. I know my word. David did not like King Saul. <laughs> when is this woman of God who could not have a baby? It's not Her name starts with an H. Hannah. She was Hannah. Did not like, and I forgot the other woman's name. She taunted her. Guys, look it up. I haven't read it in a while, and I haven't said this in a while. So, so listeners, look it up. Hannah did not like her adversary who taunted her because of her lack of fertility. She didn't like her. And it's apparent. You read in the scripture. Because when she got pregnant, they say she walked past her with her nose turned up like, <laughs> like, hey, girl, look at me now. She didn't like her. Okay, what anybody said, Jesus loved Judas. But he didn't like him. When they came to last supper, he's like, "Do do what you gonna do." Basically, he said, "Do what." He remember at the last supper when he was yeah. sitting down. He said, one of "Whatever you, will you betray do, me. huh? One of you will betray me." Um, was it the last supper? See y'all. He did look at him though, and he said, and like, "He said like, do it quickly. Yeah, like, like whatever you're gonna do. Oh, yeah, whatever yeah, you're yeah. gonna do." Yeah. Now, if we translate that to our terms, <laughs> do what you gonna do. <laughs> That's Inglewood. He didn't like him, but he loved him. He loved him. We are, we loved him 
to the point, and I oftentimes use this with abuse, even when he was on the cross and he took a look into eternity while he was up there, he saw every single person that would treat you wrong and he still decided to die because he still loved them. And I asked God to give me that type of love. Mm. And actually, because my name is Charity, I really think that <laughs> <laughs> names mean something. And I do think that, and I, I was telling one of my girlfriends, because she was so frustrated about a relationship. And I said, I'm not going to lie. I do know I have this a supernatural ability to love. But that same God who gave me this ability mm. can give it to anybody else mm. if you ask. And I asked for it. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Ask. He, it's not he's not gonna tell you no i think that's really good especially because it's hard mm-hmm. it's really hard to love everyone yeah it is. liking them already is something <laughs> but um especially people who have hurt us people mm-hmm. like there is and i and i i personally have been uh wrestling with well if someone does something i blatantly do not like what well, can is there? Can I then? Is it okay if I don't love them? You know, that's a good like question. if I dis like if I hate them. But then you saying there's a difference between um, not liking the ways of someone or the things they have done, and yet still extending love the same way that Jesus would. You know, yeah. So because, I think that's good. Yeah, because we were all made in His image, and every single living being, as we know, have they have a piece of God inside of them. Mm-hmm. Because without Him, we wouldn't be here. So if we do love God, we I've learned people. that to love the the God in people. And that makes it easier for me to love them. Mm-hmm. And love does not, We I think sometimes if we put an emotion, a very strong emotion, and it can be a very strong emotion, but love is also a statement with the period. God is love, period. And so when you talk about love, um, taking the emotion out of it, it's a statement. And I say the emotion because sometimes we can get so upset and so hurt by the things that people have done to us um, that we think that in my love, I have to immediately forgive them or I have to immediately be healed or I have to something immediate has to happen. Mm-hmm. I loved my abuser, abusers. I loved them while I was healing. While I was still in pain. Mm-hmm. It's a decision that you make. It has nothing to do with your emotions. Because That's if good. you wait for your emotions to catch up to your love, you'll be waiting a good long time. <laughs> <laughs> so you make the decision to love mm. and evis- eventually and make the decision and allow for God to heal your emotions. That's good. That yeah. is so good. And it's so, and that's what I did, and it is effective. That's why when I tell people, I love you, sometimes they look at me like, girl, bye. Like, I said this in the office one day, and she, and one of my colleagues looked at me and turned like, I was like, I'm serious, though. I mean, don't worry about it. You'll catch up to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it makes it easier when you take the emotions out of it. And so it's under, a choice, It's basically. a decision. We choose to love. We choose to love. And Just love them well. Like yeah. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he chose to stay up there because he loved us. That was a choice. That is a decision. It had nothing to do with his emotions. Mm. Or it, the people. I mean, or I guess the, it had to do I with mean, the people. We, I know what you mean, but it had yeah. nothing to do with the emotional state that he was in. Because every single, the people that put him on the cross is the people he chose to love and chose to die for. Mm. While they yet were putting him on the cross. Mm-hmm. Good. Like, I'm even thinking of the verse of while we were yet sinners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Christ mm-hmm. died for us because of love. Because of love, um, a decision he made. Mm-hmm. 
I have one more quick question mm-hmm. just to be respectful of your time. Um, when it comes to students here or just when we're in ministry, I feel like the two dangers when it comes to just ministering to anyone who may be in an abusive relationship, I feel like the two dangers is like one doing it wrong. Cause that can obviously be a thing, just doing it out of ignorance mm-hmm. and not effective. But at the same time, not doing anything is also a danger. Mm-hmm. So like what tips can you give us to like, cause it's not just enough to be like, I'm going to engage or interact in this. Cause if you're still ignorant, like mm-hmm. you could cause more hurt than healing. Mm-hmm. It's like, are the, what would you tell us, especially as students, like interacting with people in the city and, and people in our ministry, like mm-hmm. how can we help effectively? Um, if a sur- abuse survivor is willing to speak to you um, while they're speaking, you should always be praying. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what to say, then don't say anything. Just keep <laughs> That's going. good. That's so good. Especially yeah. for moody students. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, right, just don't say anything listening and listen effectively um, and pray when you encounter an abused, a a survivor, I I don't call people victims unless they're, you know, still in it, but if they've escaped it and they're in the healing process, the first thing that they should encounter is your love. Mm -hmm. And so if you go into the minds and with the mindset of, I know like, we can get overzealous and be like, oh, I'm going to heal the world. I'm going to help these victims. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, these survivors will probably curse you out or think that you think that you're better than them. I have seen a whole lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But if you encounter them in a conversational way, understand that they are human beings just like you, loved by Christ, and, sh- and the first thing that they encounter is your love for God, they will open up like a flower Mm -hmm. and you have an opportunity to minister to them with your ears Mm -hmm. and silence. If they ask you something, you, while you, they're speaking, I find that when I say, Lord, give me what to say Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And because I practice it so long doing that so long, I, I, I think I respond a lot quicker, but if you are new at this, Lord, give me what to say. If you want me to say anything at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're just human beings like you and you and I. I have met domestic just survivors of abuse from the richest to the poorest. So just to be treat them like they're human and pray while you while they're talking to you. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to ask Giorgio's um I don't know what the word is. Giorgio's the question he asks always. Mm-hmm. Our at closing the end. question. Yeah, closing final big grand finale anyways um you are more than i mean you are your story but there's a lot more to you that we haven't gotten to know like you know i mean your favorite food and favorite things like <laughs> all those things but we would love to know what your top three books um, if you're a reader if you're not i am no shame okay. okay great and this can be outside of just books related with you know your story and experiences but really just any top three books that you would recommend and that you love the most yeah outside of the bible you can Um, also add your nonprofit. there's a website people can go to to check that out near the end too yes i shall thank (laughs) you so i think that um my top three books um all actually lately have been moody publishers (laughs) two of them keeping it in house keeping it in house (laughs) Um, I love the five love languages. And if you um, if you are ever ministering to someone who is abused, I think that, that would be a fantastic gift because oftentimes people that are, are abused, they don't understand their language. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to be loved and they don't 
necessarily know how to give healthy love. Mm-hmm. So that book was very helpful for me. Another fantastic book is Lies Women Believe. Mm-hmm. There's a series, Lies Women Believe, Lies Men Believe, Lies Young Women Believe. The whole That's Nancy Lee DeMoss Wogamuth and her husband wrote Lies Men. Fantastic series. And, but my, actually, my number one is The Godfather. I Seriously. can read that book over and over and over. Have you ever Mm-mm. heard of it, Marvel? Jojo, have you? Mm-mm. Oh. The God, what? Okay. <laughs> Who's it by? I forgot that man's name. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a fantastic book about, it's a gangster book. It's really, um, it really, it's about the mafia. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And I feel like the author, it was so well written. I'll actually bring it to the office Monday so that you guys can take (laughs) a look. Wait, is there a movie? Yes. Okay, okay. The Godfather 1, Which came first? The, the book. book. Seriously, okay. The book okay. was written in, I think, the crates. 60s or 50s, but I feel like it's a very realistic um, expression of what the mafia was all about. So that's my top three favorite books. Is it Mario Puzo? Does that sound yes. familiar? Yes. Okay. That is the author. <laughs> Not was, my brain. This was Google. Everything. Yes, Google. Google. Yes. I should have been Googling those scriptures when I was spitting stuff out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's my favorite book. So, guys, if you would like to connect with me or learn more about what I do, you can go to my website. It is Charity Tracy. Tracy is T-R-A-C-Y. Um, CharityTracy.com or you can email me info at CharityTracy.com I would love to hear from you uh, there's also an Instagram page oh it's an Instagram it's charity double underscore guys double underscore <laughs> charity double underscore Tracy um, yeah I try to post some snippets of interviews there but if you ever want to learn more or see some of the interviews that I have done with speakers you can go to my website, um, CharityTracy.com. I will warn you, um, I don't sugarcoat anything. So it may be triggering because I feel like the truth is what sets captives free. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. That's also, awesome. just a side note, she's not side note, important thing <laughs> to say. She's one of the most approachable people. So if you yep. want to oh, really yeah. have a one-on-one with her, maybe buy her coffee you're a coffee girl right? i love coffee yeah give her a free coffee. coffee get her get a free coffee out of it coffee. you know yeah come to crow too i will connect you guys yes <laughs> i love you have to bring me lemonade but I'll connect <laughs> you. from chick-fil-a right yeah Chick-fil-A lemonade. Chick-fil-A. well thank you so much charity yeah thank There's you so just, much i mean i feel like we could have spent oh, hours yeah but 100%. thank you so much for your time and i'm sure a lot of people will will benefit from listening Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Oh, I really do. do. And I'm so appreciative and so humbled that you would like ask me to even to think that I would have something to say. Oh, girl. <laughs> All right. <laughs>